Welcome to another edition of Old School Guns, the podcast that tells you exactly like it is. And uh, it hasn't been that long since our last podcast, but so much has been happening that I thought we'd do this, and you can think of it as a special edition or just a quick update, however you want to look at it. But uh, yeah, I wanted to fill everybody in. Of course, I, I, I didn't go to work today, actually, because I was feeling crappy from the Moderna booster shot I got yesterday. Um, I've, I'm now fully vaccinated. You know, it's it's amazing. Why did I do it? I mean, uh, number one, I the, the whole discussion of whether or not it's a good decision for me, given my age, given everything else, um, is it a good thing for me to get the initial inoculations and the booster? Well, that's all been subordinated to, no, you're going to do this. And I mean, they threatened me with my livelihood, essentially. So, you know, I just take the shot. I mean, I, I've... I've been in the military I took yeah, scads of shots so I'm not really afraid of the vaccine or anything really don't like being told what to do you know Joe Biden is not qualified to be my doctor he's not qualified to be president he's only qualified to be an election thief uh, Fauci's a moron Fauci is an absolute and as we use the old term he is a booger eating simpleton and that's what Fauci is. I wouldn't trust Fauci if he told me the sun's going to rise in the east and set in the west. Because his track record on what he has said, what he has done, and what he has advised people to do is pretty poor. But, you know, they, they have these the power of words behind them. You know, they never say vaccinated. They say fully vaccinated. Because that's something they can change. It changed from the first shot and the second shot and the second shot was really only a booster to the first shot. But anyway, now fully vaccinated includes the boost for a total of three shots. So you get the first one, the second one, and you get the booster. And that's the, that is now fully vaccinated. So, of course, I've never had COVID. I've never been in contact with anyone that had COVID, which always makes me very suspicious makes me suspicious i mean i know people who've had it but i haven't been in contact with them so the the thing that tells me is the sickest i've ever gotten from covid was just getting the shots you know and i mean shots just you know they kick my ass for a day or two and that's about it but anyway that's it's it's the way I, i'll be honest with you i got the shot on my own accord and recognizance because i don't like being threatened I don't like people telling me my livelihood is at stake if I don't get this damn thing. And so I just went, now it's over, and it's it's done. So, you know, yay Joe Biden, what a win. You are a fascist. You are a Joseph Mengele type person. And so are your cronies that are forcing this. Forcing people to get medical procedures like you're their doctor is wrong. It's morally, legally wrong. It's repugnant. And uh, essentially, we got to hold them accountable for this at the polls. No Democrat should get reelected to anything in 2022 or 2024. They got to go. I mean, they got to go. They, they, this is, they're turning the United States into, you know, an authoritarian state molded on the book 1984. 
So that's what the that's where we are. We're in a country where everything's going wrong. Uh, people are being brought up on charges and and uh, put through court trials who never should be brought to trial, i.e., the Rittenhouse thing. Uh, there's whether it's the Aubrey thing or the Rittenhouse thing or or now the the Supreme Court is yet again arguing about abortion. Uh, the open threats and intimidation against juries or against the Supreme Court, from what I heard this week, is so wrong. I mean, it's 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 just that's just not the American way. You just don't threaten and say, "Yeah, if they don't find this guy guilty, um, hey, you know, we're gonna riot. You're you're going to pay." We're I saw the signs at the Rittenhouse thing. The, 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 you know, now, now these are these are pieces of trash. This is gutter swine, Antifa. But they say, stand there and say, we're here to intimidate. Well, if that's the way they want it, they may get more than they bargained for. Because this cannot stand. You can't, inti- you can't intimidate juries. You can't intimidate communities. And, um, you know, they're, they have allies in the media. And they're in cahoots. I mean, uh, MSNBC was caught trying to trail the jurors and that's why they got kicked out of the courtroom they should have been locked up in jail they should have locked them up in jail and said no you're not going to do this you're not going to tip off to your to your little fascist friends um where these people are so you can go there and and uh, harm them so yeah that was that was a bad bad deal and and everybody thinks again i tell you the rittenhouse thing was not a victory the fact that he was brought up on charges was a loss. I mean, we're just lucky there was enough video. Without that video, who knows? Who who knows? Well, and you, you did have some serious incompetent <laughs> prosecutors. The guy pointing. Oh, and we're going to talk about this in a minute. The guy pointing the AR-15 at the jury. Hey, that's a smooth move. I, I don't know. You know, did this guy... There, There have to be some people in the legal system whether they're judges maybe attorneys and 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 you know other things who collect enough box tops and send it to some degree mill and get a degree and how they get past the bar exam examination i don't know it was clear the prosecutors didn't even know the (laughs) the laws in their own state they didn't know the difference between a shotgun and sbr who could possess what and and all the rest of it is freaking nonsense absolute nonsense then we come to the part that's really, you know, after it's all over, this this poor Rittenhouse guy. He's he's trying, he's trying to normalize his life, and of course, unless he kind of grows up a little bit, changes his appearance, and changes his name, he's he's never going to escape what happened. What happened is going to be a big deal, and you know, ten years from now, people will still know who he is. Just like, you know, some people still know, remember who Bernie Getz is. You know, the the guy who shot the uh, three thugs on the subway and was put through tormented hell on it. But um, people remember who he was. So this this guy's not going to, he's not just going to go to college and, and, you know, life goes on. I'm afraid this is going to fall him around. You see, he just got basically booted from Arizona State. He was where he was an online student. You know, I mean, whatever all that is. I mean, yeah. So, but hey, the Arizona State students were all like, hey, we don't want this killer as a part of our our, uh, university. 
So that kind of stuff is going to follow him around. Um, if I were him, I would move to a very much conservative red state um, where if people do find out who he is, they'll at least be sympathetic towards him. Moving, moving to San Francisco, Washington, D.C., Chicago, or some of these other you know, garden spots, they used to be the great cities, and in many cases the great cities of the world, and now they're they're trash heaps. But um, yeah, if he goes to any of those places, he's he's going to have a pretty rough time. So part of his reinventing himself is, and, and you don't know what this really means or what's really happened, but apparently he has given instructions that his AR-15 be destroyed or be you know somehow taken apart or whatever whatever it's doing. It's 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 not going to be. You know, it's not going to be a totem. It's not going to be a trophy. Personally, I think he should have waited a few years and <laughs> put it on Gunbroker. And, and that may happen. We don't know what's happened to the rifle. We haven't seen any any lump of scrap or anything. I'm, I'm against weapons being destroyed simply because of where they were or how they were used. I mean, that's the kind of thinking that could say, well, all World War II weapons should be should be destroyed if they were used by the axis they should be destroyed well i you know we just don't believe that they're they're just molecules and they're just designed to actuate a cartridge and everything else is beyond that and actually in human control so if he was smart he'd keep it and then put it up and sell it for for a few hundred thou when uh, when times get thin <laughs> save the money for a rainy day but uh, destroying a weapon because of that is, is really ridiculous. Really ridiculous. And speaking of the absolute ridiculous, I was really caught off guard when this Alec Baldwin interview came up. I, I just saw it with the, the tease that they play on the, the TV where he says, you know, hey, I didn't, I didn't pull the trigger. And I thought, this, is, this man has to be clinically insane. I mean, there's no way that, that anybody would, why under active investigation you know he's already hired a bunch of lawyers they have to be out of their ever-loving minds to let him anywhere near a camera or a microphone and then I actually thought about it and I realized after watching the salient points of that interview here's what he's trying to do on the surface it seems insane um but this is all part of what's going to be the Baldwin defense or the Baldwini or Baldwiner defense. Yeah, the Baldwiner defense. Alec Baldwiner isn't man enough to take responsibilities for his actions, which led to the death of what appears to be a very nice woman who was just trying to earn a living um, as a cinematographer, okay? He, he is now going to try to just throw up enough dust so that if he goes to trial, he's trying to remove the you know <clears throat> reasonable doubt he's trying to build the reasonable doubt so he says I, I didn't pull the trigger it must be something wrong with the gun because he's going to turn this into a 2a second amendment guns are bad defense guns are bad they're inherently dangerous here was a design from the 1870s i was using and i pulled the hammer back and hey the whole thing went forward and fired Unless they can prove that the gun was tampered with or damaged to to do something like that, 
uh, he's he's still you know it's going to be proven to be a lie and even then it does not account for the how the live round which is the question everybody's been asking from the beginning who brought live rounds to a movie set who is stupid enough to bring live rounds to a movie set who was negligent enough to allow one of those to get into a gun and who was ignorant enough to point a gun at another person without having checked it because all he was doing was rehearsing it wasn't like the tape was rolling and there were millions of dollars you know in production he was just re rehearsing and we know that this is a you know shoestring operation cheapo straight to <laughs> streaming service or dvd type movie this this was not gone with the wind they were making this was well the, the only wind in it is is what's inside of baldwin and i mean he's full of wind but this this was not a, this was not going to be an epic this is a cheap low budget cut every possible corner you can and I'll face it if you're starring alec baldwin in a movie you're cutting corners man even though it's his own production company i mean his own production company shouldn't have hired him because you know face it alec baldwin ain't much of a draw he just he just really isn't and now that he's he's this old geezer you know he's not really he's you know i don't know what they you know i'm sure 10 or 12 people would have watched this movie i mean i'm sure of that but he is laying the seeds for his defense he's getting it out there and the popular media which is sympathetic to him will spread the spread his lies he didn't pull the trigger so that the the jury pool and the court of public opinion will be well he says he didn't pull the trigger maybe there's some truth to that he's trying to build doubt and so that <clears throat> there is a reasonable doubt the other thing that's going to happen is that Alec Baldwini is going to sue Pieta. I, I've heard it's a Pieta revolver. I, I don't know. I don't have any inside information. I just know what I've what I've read. So if it happens to be something else, well, then it's something else. But I've, I've heard it's a Pieta. He'll sue them. He'll make a, there'll be a big push in Hollywood to not use any kind of live guns in movies. Uh, there'll be all sorts of things. And Alec Baldwin will somehow attempt to portray himself as the victim. He's the victim of the bad gun. He's the victim of the person who, who snuck a bullet in there. He's the victim of the guy who said the gun was cold. And we don't know if any of that's true. We don't know if the guy told him the gun was cold. He might have even, you know, we're just speculating, but he might have pointed and said, hand me that gun right there. I'm going to rehearse for a few minutes. And somebody did. We don't know somebody yelled cold gun. We don't know the facts because so many contradictory things have been have been stated we don't know if they actually used that gun for, for for plinking target practice when they were bored after after the shooting day because we don't know that because you know the part of the big rub was they all had an hour drive to get back to their hotels and so there wasn't like they were hanging around after work with nothing to do they were you know at the end of a 12 or 14 hour day you're not going to just sit around and say yeah man hey i got some cartridges let's uh let's shoot a few tin cans here no you're going to go eat and you're going to go uh 
rejuvenate. You've got to do some laundry probably. You've got to, you know, call the homestead and, you know, make sure the folks back home are okay. you got all this kind of other stuff to do. So, you know, we don't even know if that's true. We don't even know if this was somehow everybody was plinking after work. Um, there's so much we don't know, but I will tell you, the initial something must be coming unraveled in the story because this seems like kind of a desperation move or a plan B. Like, hey, our initial thing of I was handed a gun, told it was a cold gun, so I just was, you know, used it because I thought it was empty and lo and behold, there was a cartridge in it. That story must be falling apart because now it's, well, I didn't touch the trigger. I pulled the hammer back and the thing went forward and, and uh, went off. And I don't know how the bullet got in there. I'm a victim. Maybe it was sabotage. I'm a victim. Um, you know, he's he's going to try to be a victim. And the reason you know that this guy has been scheming and figuring all this out, trying to figure all this out, is, you know, he's not acting like a per. I mean, I mean you know what? You, on the tape with Stephanopoulos, he appears to be, he's an actor, so he's acting. I mean... He wants sympathy, so he's going to to act. That's that's human nature. He's going to do that. I, I think it was horrid that he, you know, what was it? Ten days after this happened, he's there's pictures of him on social media in a Halloween costume with his kids, and they're all kind of yucking it up and everything. And it's like, dude, you know, can you imagine if, as a normal person, if I were responsible for something like that? You know, if I were in his position, I, I would go into I would go into seclusion and and just deep mourning for for probably months. I would feel horrible. I certainly would not get into costumes on Halloween and yuck it up with the kids. The kids would have to be told, "Hey, something real bad has happened, and uh, so things aren't going to be as <laughs> normal around here as they have been. Something very bad has happened." And and that poor woman lost her life. I mean, her her child imagine the christmas her child is having this year imagine that imagine that i mean it's just horrid to think i mean that's that's why how how can he even contemplate how could he even get the except for being a professional actor and the the show must go on how would you even get in front of stephanopoulos and say these things like it wasn't my fault you know yeah it was your fault it was he would have been much, and that's the reason we know something's coming unraveled. Because if the original story is true, that's not a bad story for him to have. Because guess what? He's going to get sued. He's going to lose millions of bucks, or his companies will. Maybe his personal fortune is is uh, protected. But he's he is going to lose millions of dollars over this. The family that lost the mother are just... You know they're gonna get they're gonna get big money. That's just the way it is, and they deserve it. Not that it makes up for anything, but it's it's probably just how our system is gonna work. He's already being sued by a script supervisor who said, "Hey, you were never supposed to cock the gun or or uh, fire it." There's all kinds of other little things that are just seem to be cropping up, and he's gonna get sued by a lot of people. And. Uh, you know, or his. When I mean him, I mean his companies and his. How, however, all of that machination works. 
but at least personally as the actor he could have said hey you know I did this it was it was absolutely horrible but this is kind of how it worked and at least that was somewhat more understandable but now what he's portraying is not believable or understandable and trying to portray himself as a victim but it just seems like every corner was cut and guess what something really bad happened something really bad happened and uh you know he's got to take responsibility for it and all you saw was a way of shifting responsibility they're going to shift it to the gun he's already done that he's already said i pulled the hammer back i didn't touch the trigger and it just went forward and went off okay um unless the gun is damaged or has been modified that's not the case that's just not the case so this becomes a guns are bad the second amendment's bad if this can happen to me it can happen to anyone you know it's about time we exposed how bad and unsafe guns are and that's what this is going to be it's going to be a 2a deal it's going to be a second amendment case him against gun manufacturers and all the rest of it as a way to throw up a smoke screen to cover the his own actions both as an actor and as a producer which led to the death of this poor woman who was just trying to earn her living as a cinematographer you know and you know he's he's constructing this whole thing of lies because that's what alec baldwin does alec baldwin he lies and this is a great case of it everyone else is to blame now you know the reason you know that he tolerates lies and he is a liar look at hilaria baldwin she does not appear to be a bad person or a malicious person but she's she's a liar and she lives in a fantasy world she was the one i think her name was actually hillary hayward thomas i think that was her name that's her name she's from new england okay so she's obviously you know white anglo-saxon protestant probably you know wasp you know she's a person from that part of the country with that heritage well she was faking that she was born in mallorca spain and she had changed her name to hilaria and the the coup de gras on all this was when she was on a television cooking show you know this is not a talented woman this is not an actress this is not a talented woman this is someone who is kind of the little trophy bride for the old fart actor because that's what they do in hollywood you know they they get married three or four times and the last one when the guy's pushing in his 60s or whatever he marries some some young gal who's in her late 20s and then tries to help her career along that, that's that's happened more often than not i suppose but anyway she was on a cooking show and she was like well how do you say in english oh a cucumber you know and the fake accent the whole thing and she was completely exposed um and people just kind of giggled and laughed it off well she's obviously a nut well he's obviously a nut too and he's been sitting there since this happened what was it october 21st i think that was the day so it's been it's been a month and some but a month and a week a month and yeah a month and 10 days maybe and uh he's he's been concocting this whole thing about why it's not his fault 
why this shouldn't be put at his doorstep, why this shouldn't be laid at his feet. I mean, it's crazy. It's sick. It's crazy. And how can anyone do this? So what what we have to do as the Second Amendment community is when you hear people talking about it and if they're falling into this that Alec Baldwin is that the gun in and of itself is bad and it went and did bad things and he just happened to be holding it I mean you might have to push back with the truth uh, not that facts ever matter to most of these people but at least push back with the truth that hey if you're holding it you're responsible and Unless it comes out that gun's damaged, which I don't think it's going to be. They, that would have already been out if they said, hey, man, the, you know, we're investigating the shooting and this, this gun already is, you know, somebody modified it so that it wouldn't stay cocked. The minute you release the hammer, it would fly forward, whether the trigger was pulled or not. Some guns that were set up for fanning which hasn't been used in movies in years because nobody ever really used it. It was always kind of a trick, a, cine, a, a kind of a Hollywood cinematic, a corny trick, you know. The guy holds a gun and just fan, pulls, he just keeps hitting the hammer back, you know, and makes the thing fire six shots anyway, like a, like a really fast firing gun. Not quite a machine gun, but really fast, you know. So you see it in uh, some of the spaghetti westerns and things, you know, and it's there. So unless it was modified for that, in which case it never should have been handed to him and he should have checked it to make sure, um, it's, you know, there's no way that this is ever going to hold any kind of air, any kind of weight. And in fact, the, um, you know, the sheriff's department, which is investigating this early on, they put out a deal saying, yes, he did discharge that firearm. And so um, they did not say negligently. They did not say accidentally. They did not say anything else. They said he discharged it, which, um, you know, is, is pretty strong and damning. So that's it. We're going to have to push back. But that's the Alec Baldwin defense. And this is only the opening scene in the movie that is going to be his defense where he's, he's raising reasonable doubt then he's going to blame the gun. Then he's going to blame the manufacturer. And then they might find a couple of scapegoats along the way. The, the, the little prop chick who is supposed to be the, the armorer on the set. I mean, I mean, she's toast. I mean, she's toast. She's going to get burned. Um, there's several, other, several underlings will get burned for sure. Whether Baldwin gets burned or not, I don't know. I don't know. He's setting it up, and he's got money to buy lawyers, and he's probably not even paying for them. It's probably his company paying for it before they before they go bankrupt. But uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But this is only the first scene in the Baldwin defense that guns are bad, manufacturers are bad, other people are careless and bad, and he's a victim. That's going to be his defense. Okay, I do have some gun stuff. Not too much, but I do have some gun stuff. Uh, another cast bullet update. Um, very interestingly, I, uh, I cast some uh, 93 grain um, 30 caliber bullets and some 100 grain 30 caliber bullets for use in a um, 
7.63 Mauser, um, the you know C96, the broom handle Mauser, not the uh, 7.65 Argentine Mauser or or anything like that. It's this is the 7.63 Mauser. It looks the cartridge is nearly identical to the 7.62 by 25 Takarev, but the Takarev is loaded to uh, higher velocity, much higher velocity which is bad, bad for the C96 broom handle pistol. And uh, frankly, you really can't get to Takarev ballistics with a uh, cast bullet unless you, unless you want to, your, your intention is to, to, to basically lead paint your bore. Because <laughs> those things are screamers. They are scream. That, that Takarev round, and here's a tangent, but that Takarev round in the PPSH-41, and our friend of the podcast has a live PPSH-41 select fire. Um, that's a very impressive weapon. It's We look at it and say cheap submachine gun, but I look at it and see prototype assault rifle. I mean, it's not as powerful as a 762 by 39 obviously, but you know, it approaches it close enough so that you understand what the Soviets were thinking. You know, that yes, they did adopt the SKS because the SKS was going to be there. It was available. It was, Simonov was a great designer and they kind of wanted to, they knew that his design would work. And while they were developing something else, um, his would be a good, a really good stopgap. And it was. And so Kalishnikov, you know, took a gun that's kind of, you know, certainly short, certainly handy, certainly with the the high capacity magazine, but a much the much more powerful M43 cartridge, and came up with the AK, the original AK47. But before that, and and actually they soldiered on into the 60s and 70s, and I'm sure they're still kicking around today. There, as a matter of fact, I know they are because there was a uh, picture of a Marine with in the Battle of Fallujah uh, holding a PPSH. So. Uh, one that he'd, you know, a battlefield pickup. So, you know, these things are around, and they're not bad weapons. They are not as good as an assault rifle, as an intermediate cartridge rifle, but they're approaching it, and they're very flat shooting and, and uh, have a lot of high velocity. To get back to what we were actually talking about is to get that kind of high velocity with a lead bullet, it's it's going to be it's going to be pretty tough. Um what I did was I cast the 93 grainers and I, those things keyhole. At first I thought I wasn't driving them fast enough and that may have been the problem but then I upped the powder charge um, quite a bit actually and uh, you know half a grain which in that cartridge is is you know significant 10% increase and they still keyhole. So and they're sized to 311 they keyhole. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the design of the bullet. I don't know what it is. I tried the uh, 100 grainers, which I had powder coated and then sized again to 311. And I used a uh, five grains of unique under it. And again, you know, this is what I do. I'm not telling you what you should do. Um, you should go with established loads. But you know that's what that's the recipe I used and it shot great so for a C96 you know now th these things were the first successful and widely used semi-automatic pistol so it's, this is not really Camp Perry material but it shoots well 
And I was very pleased with that because I was afraid, oh man, maybe maybe my bore is at the point where it just has to be realigned. Maybe it won't stabilize anything. So I was making plans to use, you know, some regular commercial ammunition, jacketed ammunition to check. Because last time I used it, it was fine with jacketed ammunition. So the key holding was something new and the key holding is specific to that bullet. So you wouldn't think that seven grains makes that much of a difference, but it does. It really does. Um, so I'm going to save those 93 grainers for maybe 32 ACP or something. And yes, the truth is, I was too sick to go to work, but I was well enough to go to the range and test and test loads. So there you go. The load I didn't get to test because I didn't get to assemble the ammunition was the uh, 310 grain um, 44 Magnum round, and that's that's not something, by the way, that I would ever shoot in a Smith. Um, I just wouldn't. Any, I'm only going to shoot it in my Ruger because I have a Ruger uh, Blackhawk and super blackhawk i'm sorry and i'll shoot it in that because a lot of people have used that bullet in that gun and that's an extremely strong gun and it has very robust and simple lock work so i'm not i'm not scared of that i but i'd never want to damage a, a smith and wesson with that but that that seems like that'll be a lot of fun that'll be just some fun i tried to see if there were any 44 special loads for that bullet but they the 44 special just can't drive it fast enough to stabilize it so and in fact unless you drive it at near the kind of the upper end of the loads that's some of the feedback that you get when you when you research it um is that the lower loads don't have great accuracy because they don't stabilize the bullet but you know it's kind of fun it's uh we'll give it a try and and like i said i only have like 20 some dollars invested in the mold so if it doesn't work out, why we'll just put it on the shelf and, you know, maybe maybe it'll work some other time. It might work in a 44 uh, Magnum carbine. You know, it might be that these loads, if they if they don't shoot well out of a pistol, maybe the rifle would be a better a better opportunity for them. You know, so we'll see. Uh, I don't I don't have a 44 caliber. Uh, rifle so you know maybe at some point I'll I'll pick one up and, and get it I've always liked 44 Magnum as a as a lever gun cartridge it you know it kind of is it's almost an intermediate cartridge in a lever gun it, it's almost there pretty pretty cool all right hey primer update I was at Cabela's and I saw primers they had one box of large pistol magnum primers and then they had probably 40 or 50 boxes of small rifle primers however the bad news was 129 dollars 129 dollars i just I, I was shocked i mean i'm like wow they're here but nobody nobody's buying them i mean you think they would be flying off the shelf but they're not and even with my whopping you know five percent or whatever it is military discount they give me i still can't do that but you know don't feel sorry for me don't feel sorry for me it was about four or five years ago i i got you know one of those deals of a lifetime a guy was liquid 
the story was there was a storage locker filled with reloading stuff and, and other sporting goods stuff and all that. A guy was trying to get into the outdoor sports. He eventually decided, hey, I don't really want to do this. So he sold his guns and it was and then he had all the reloading and, and other junk in this thing. So he went to a friend of his and said, hey, I'm done with this. I don't really I don't really care about it. Um, why don't you sell it? and donate the money to charity so uh, through that I was able to pick up uh, a few things and you know I picked up like now this stuff had been sitting in a storage unit for a couple of years so um, I kind of expressed my concern I said hey you know the powder and primers here um, you know there's there's no telling I mean because it gets warm here in the summer I said if this thing's been 150 degrees this stuff could have degraded I said I'll buy it but I'll, uh, but you kind of have to make me a little bit of, you have to kind of make it worth my while, and I'll accept the risk. So the guy sold it to me for about half of what retail was, which for the powder was great. I mean, I just, and it turned out to be fine. And in fact, I offered to, to pay a little more later, and he said, no, you know, you took the risk. But one of the other deals was there was a box of a thousand primers, and so I said, hey, I'll, I'll take those. So I bought them. They were small rifle primers. Don't really use a lot of small rifle primers. I do in 5.56 and 30 carbine. That's kind of about it. Everything else is... And I had, you know, like a thousand of them already. So so I got this thing. And he charged me 15 bucks for it. And it was the same deal. You know, 15 bucks is great. You know, but for a thousand primers, you know, a few years ago, that's that's not that great a price. I mean, it's a good price, but it's not it's not jaw-dropping like it would be today. And uh, so anyway, uh, I went home, I stuck this thing on a shelf, and it's, you know, it's a box, you know. And uh, about two months later, I opened it up. And what I found was there were five smaller boxes in there, and each one of those had a thousand primers in it. This box, which kind of looked big, was actually holding 5,000 primers because CCI, their packaging is a lot smaller and it was a little bit older, so it was really small. So what we thought was 1,000 primers turned out to be 5,000. So I went back and I said, you know, obviously we've made a mistake here. You know, let me, let me you know, cough up some more. Um, he wouldn't take it. He, he said, no, a deal's a deal. You know, it's kind of the same deal. If, it's, if the stuff turns out no good, you've accepted the risk. So we kind of compromised. I just made him a cash, you know, gave him some cash to put put towards the uh, charity. So everybody walked away fine. I accepted risk. I paid more. I paid a little bit more because I found I had more. And it all worked out. But I've been using those 5,000 small rifle primers for a couple, yeah, since. And I still have probably 2,000 of them left. And, I mean, I use them for small pistol. I use them for, you know... Because a small rifle primer is fundamentally the same as a small pistol magnum primer. So, and I interchange. I, I'll use a magnum primer. I don't. I don't care. I'll just cut back the powder charge a little bit, and and do that. And I think it it works out fine. And uh, so I've used them in everything from 32 ACP up to well whatever else takes it. Um, you know, nine millimeter and a few other things. So it's, you know, it worked out fine. So I don't feel, I don't feel that, uh, that I've ever, you know, I feel that I've had really good luck with primers 
And I used to buy and stockpile, not, not really stockpile, but I would keep a contingency stash of primers, you know, when times were good. And hey, when they're selling them for $14, $15, or I would even, you know, imagine this in 2021, you used to be able to find primers on sale. They'd be sitting on the shelf and it was usually like small pistol magnum or some other ones that weren't as popular. Um, small rifle magnum, you know, ones that weren't as popular. Hey, you could buy those on sale. You know, I would find them marked down and I would just pick up a thousand because, hey, you know, that's how I roll. That's how it works. And and that got me through some some crunches. But I'm, I'm coming to the point now where, you know, I was never, I never designed my, my little contingency pile my little box of of uh primers i never considered that that might have to last me two or three years so at some point they will run out uh okay this is going to be a little bit shorter of a podcast but the last thing i want to talk about is and red dawn kansas that's coming up in january and red dawn kansas is put on by the mill creek rifle club and uh, it is a lot of fun. Uh, the first year, there were only three of us. <laughs> the second year, there were about nine or ten of us. Last year, there were 15 of us. And I think it's going to be more this year. Um, we, we did it deliberately in January because, number one, range utilization was low because it's all outdoor ranges. Number two, uh, we, we kind of wanted a venue where we could use Kalishnikov rifles and Warsaw packed weapons kind of in their native environment which is you know for most of us cold you know we we think when we think of them we think of cold we don't think of you know being on the beach in the Black Sea we think of more like Siberia or you know some some northern extremes and and uh, running through the snow so the other thing is uh, a lot of people like to wear bits and pieces and even complete uh, uniforms and most of the Russian uniforms are cold weather uniforms and especially the ones we'd recognize so the Yushenka hats and the the big wool overcoats and you know a, a lot of this great stuff and we we have a lot of I mean uh, I'll I tell you if we had to recast Dr. Zhivago we could take this group and, and do a really good job. Our, our friend of the podcast would would uh, take the Omar Sharif role. You know, he would be perfect for that. He looks more like he Omar Sharif never looked Russian to me, but but uh, our friend of the podcast would fit in perfectly and do that. We also have uh, the Russian Heritage Society of Kansas City, the greater Kansas City area. Uh, they started participating to a small extent two years ago and then to a larger extent last year and I think they're going to show up in force and and they're the authentic thing language <laughs> weapons they they have they have the authentic stuff so um, that's all great and for for mere mortals we have a resistance quote-unquote class where you can just kind of bring your your cold war or whatever it is and, and you know guys show up with we've had guys show up with m1s um we've had guys show up with uh a lot of different things a lot of different things you know ars and you know the the older retro style ars are really the ones we encourage 
and a few things like that. So, and also all kinds of Warsaw Pact stuff shows up. You know, you see a VZ-58, you'll see an SKSs, you'll see... Uh, I brought a SVT-40, but I did not shoot it because I shot my RPK. But AK-74s are great. Um, and of course, you know, AK-47, AKM, AKMS type, type guns are, are there too. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And... Uh, you know it's it's uh it's definitely going to keep us going in the winter here and gives us uh, some fun but it's uh, uh really pretty amazing and uh so just if you go to the mill creek rifle club website you can see hopefully the information will be up there sometime soon I, i've given it to them and like any other volunteer organization we have some guys who are you know really busy the, the club has the guy who maintains our calendar is like the leading heart surgeon in this part of the country so he's like a super busy guy and you feel like a real like a real you know dipshit when you you're you're sitting there hey you know can you get my thing on the calendar realizing that this guy's what he does for a living and and the other responsibilities that that he has but he's a he's a fantastic guy and a very keen competitive high power shooter so um yeah so we'll we'll see and as i get more information i will be sure to to put it out and if you want you can email me at kbmakel at aol.com kbmakel at aol.com and just put red dawn kansas in the line and uh, um, i will send you what information i have and as soon as i get a date i will uh, i will put it out so anyway uh that is about it for Old School Guns, episode number 121. So there is nothing further. So Old School Guns, out. <laughs>